Hey everyone, welcome to the Ambit Podcast in which we discuss tech and entrepreneurship. Before we continue, if you're enjoying these interviews, make sure to share these episodes with a friend. Today on the podcast, co-founder and CEO Andrew Yates joins us to discuss his company, Promoted.ai. First off, thank you, Andrew, for taking the time to hop on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. So let's start off here. First off, could you give a little bit of background about you and what Promoted.ai is? Yeah, let me talk about me. I think that will describe the company as well. Uh, My background is I worked at Facebook in the um, ad prediction models and backend engineering side of it. And then later, marketing science led a research team there. Uh, after that, I went to Pinterest and led the uh, marketplace engineering there, which is ad load, uh, how to optimize for prices, uh, controlling the whole mixture of what people are seeing. And uh, my co-founder, Dan, he has a similar background, except instead of Facebook, it was Google. And we met together at Pinterest. We were as EMs together there. And what we saw at Pinterest was that, first of all, it's it's very difficult to build search discovery and then having ads on top of that. Uh, it's just a, it's a tremendous amount of engineering work um, and get it right and keep running. And when we were at Pinterest, we were also hiring engineers and it was so competitive to hire engineers. It wasn't just the usual suspects in like Facebook, Google and Amazon, et cetera. And then you would start to get uh, other competitors like Coupon and Grab at the time and DoorDash and Airbnb. And it was search discovery and ads. And it was the, the hot, hot, hot thing to hire for. And Dan and I, we thought that, look, what if we could go back in time at, at Pinterest and have a lot of the sort of ML data infrastructure that we had built up over years and, and maybe not made some of the same mistakes, et cetera, and had this to buy versus build. And would this be something that would be very interesting? We knew the market was moving in this direction because of how people were hiring. And now a few years later, you're starting to see now that efficiency is much more hot, especially at these like quick delivery or marketplaces or e-commerce. So we saw this coming a few years ago. My passion personally is solving the entire marketplace optimization challenge. We actually started uh, as a name called uh, algorithmic auctions, which is meant to solve for how do you solve for the, the best possible pricing for when you're running these ad auctions at, at say Pinterest or Facebook, you want to create more value, but it's also very important to solve the for right price. And a lot of people have been thinking about how to maximize conversions or like predict clicks and conversions, uh, but very little thinking has gone into how you solve for the pricing component or the strategic component. Um, and then expanding on that, as we built out Promoted, Dan and I, uh, we we hired our our best coworkers from for Facebook and Google, uh, building out like the way we've always wanted to, and, and sell it to these um, top marketplace companies. In addition to ads, what we learned was the sort of thinking around how self performance ad tech works is way better than typical marketplace search and discovery because it's much more accountable. Like you're actually modeling these economic decisions in dollars versus like a typical search and discovery type of system would be not as rigorous in many cases. There's also other considerations like best effort of delivery, which is relevant in commercial search, but not as relevant, let's say like Pinterest organic search or, or, or Facebook newsfeed. If you, it's okay if your story never, story never shows up, but you have to try to deliver ads and try to do it profitably. So we continued expanding the company to be more of 
we solve the entire marketplace from a holistic standpoint and we're getting into the space of uh, ultimately our goal is to build distributed adwords we don't stop at just a single marketplace we want to optimize across marketplaces but uh we uh we're not quite there yet but we're on our way and uh, how big is the industry that you're tackling at it depends on how you measure it one way to measure it is how many two-sided marketplaces in the united states are there that are smaller than amazon but bigger than like a seed startup well it's not that big of a market um not very well serviced especially on the mobile side um a few billion dollars but then think about the technology to do that and what can you apply it for like how big is the market for paid performance growth paid marketing that works that is a very big market and it in, with with data privacy issues it is under a lot of stress because the typical channels don't work so our philosophy is first party everywhere and to do the paid growth perspective uh but we also believe that if you cannot optimize your own marketplace how in the world are you going to optimize across marketplaces and so we focus to make sure the basics are in place before we do any kind of chasing after uh facebook budgets and google adword budgets but that that's absolutely where uh where we're going and how do you increase ad efficiency while maintaining customer privacy well one is that uh we don't do any kind of data privacy problems like we it's your data we think of us as like amazon when you send all your data to amazon aws or your data lake we're just a service on top of that now in terms of first party cross listings again we don't have to share any sort of data i think again this is a very antiquated way of thinking but people are so focused on old ways of big get a big ball of customer data and then try to retarget into it our perspective is the marketplaces we work with they have extreme data advantages first party data advantages and they absolutely do not want to share that data for any reason at all and we don't want them to either we don't need it the way we work is we focus on the first party data and then are very responsive and very um we do things in real time so once someone is on a site if we can track what you're doing in like a few seconds then we can figure out what your intent is and we may know where you're coming from uh that's our strategy so focusing on first party very rich first party data and trust versus trying to copy facebook and google where you're like i'm going to have the best ball of customer data and you're going to be targeted on me well one that's been done uh facebook does it very well to i like worked at facebook and it's our deliberate strategy there that if you try to copy facebook doing that business model yeah. i promise you you will lose it's it's designed like the whole thinking of how you think of advertising it didn't just happen facebook spends a lot of energy educating the market in google as well they have their own philosophy in amazon they have entire departments that do nothing but educate people about how to think of of how to run ads or paid performance um they have their own vested interest and in, that's true like everything they're yeah, telling you is they yeah, give you yeah. information but the strategy that they're getting the industry to think about is in such a way that they're definitely always going to win if you follow that strategy so we take an entirely different track uh, for, for how we get our performance to transition here a little bit what are some of the companies that you currently serve this is a tricky one because we have a we're not we're not able to publicize all the people that we work with or i'd prefer to wait a little bit get their their prior permissions but uh suffice to say that we are 
um, well-funded and our partners are the sort of partners that would find uh, eight or nine staff plus uh, ads engineers from Facebook and Google uh, to be valuable to their business and at their scale. What was your journey getting into Y Combinator? It, I know it's extremely difficult to get into. I haven't done anything with them, but going through their website, they have an acceptance rate of 1.5 to 2.5%. So what was your journey to get all the way through into funding? Uh, um, well, the, the summary is we filled out the application, then did the interview and they accepted us. And uh, it, it really is like that. Simple. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, we had a good story, which was we were building something that we knew and we had unique industry insights into it. Plus, I think the most important part about getting into a program like Y Combinator is having a team that they have some reason to believe can be successful. So for example, I credit working with Dan Hill, my co-founder, hey, you, you were able to convince another person from Google, like, that's kind of like a, a silly sort of like counter example of, oh, I'm only going to get started on this idea if I only get some like staff plus engineers from Facebook and Google to work on it. But like that was our team. And we had a clear idea about how we would make money. And some of the biggest challenges of our business is our, our top competitor is not any particular vendor. It's, it's building house. But we were the building house teams and we know a lot about that. And we know what it would take to surmount that and this was a good bet. So I think it comes down to having a really strong team with some insights and like what's your story about why you could be successful. It may not work out, but there should be some reasons behind it. And we had one. And you brought up your story. What are some tips that other founders either pitching to Y Combinator can use to help translate their story to increase their chances of getting an interview? Yeah. Use fewer words. I'm just going to pause for effect there. <laughs> seriously say fewer things stop talking right yeah do that in your interview yeah one of the things that i've noticed and that i'm currently working on building a startup and if you can't explain your company in just a few words and like one sentence then there's a problem so if you're able to explain it in one sentence where everybody can easily understand it i'm sure that definitely helps with bringing across your point I think, I think the challenge here is for passionate founders and engineers, and especially engineers, I think, yeah. you feel like you need to explain so much before someone really understand what you're doing or like the vision. The, the problem with that is people don't want to listen to it. And the what you want to communicate isn't what people want to hear. Think about explain just 20% of what you're doing, but someone understands 20%. Like if you can get a hundred percent hit rate or like 90% hit rate on, on comprehension on, on 20% of what you're doing, you're going to be much more successful than if you try to explain like 80% of what you're doing. And then you're going to like a 20% sort of comprehension level, because especially at the seed stage, nobody wants to hear your seed stage startup idea. Definitely they don't. And even if it's their full-time job, do nothing but listen to them. They still don't really want to listen to it. So stop talking. Don't make them listen to you anymore. Say like two sentences. So, and, and, and my combinator also coaches you through this. Yep. And there are some other dynamics at play here too, which are um, confidence, projections of confidence. 
um, comprehension and communication uh, at the executive level, as opposed to like individual contributor or engineer level, which may be a different style of communication. And are you able to turn off or switch to different communication modes? So if you only have five minutes, use those five minutes effectively by effectively communicating 20% of what you're doing versus 80% with 20% comprehension. Who are promoted.ai's competitors? How do you plan to outbeat them in the long term? Yeah, um, there are so many companies in general AI, search recommendations. There are some in like ads as a service, not too many with like the cross between these two, but I'm, I'm sure there'll, there'll be some. Uh, it's, but yeah, the other search recommendations pieces, there, there are a ton of services out there, but that's not the market that we compete for. Our only competitor that we care about is build in house, the in-house team. And that's where we lose deals is people decide, well, we have to own this. We have to build in house. And the typical playbook for how you build these types of marketplace or e-commerce companies is that you raise a bunch of capital and you hire the quote best engineers or like you hire better engineers to mentor the previous engineers. And, and like, that's how you spend venture capital in a tech company. Um, and then there's also these considerations of, I have to own search and discovery. It's like my core differentiating value and ads. If hopefully if you're doing ads in a, in a good way, as opposed to a very bad way, uh, you think of that as an extension of search and discovery. Um, our challenge in the market is actually, you don't have to re-implement all of these pieces. You can focus on your product and use some of the general pieces. You don't have to reinvent Facebook newsfeed and ads every single time you create a new marketplace, but that's, that's the current playbook. And also surmounting vendor suspicion from in-house engineering teams. And we have a lot of empathy on this because I was the in-house team and, and so was Dan and so are our other uh, employees and vendors are not great. Like, especially in this, in this space, a lot of the times they're pitching towards, it's really easy to get started and they're selling to the business team. And then it's sort of the engineering team's problem or like, yeah. you know, it's kind of not their problem anymore if it's not working or, but like they did it, especially on the ads for goodness sakes. Um, so engineering understandably has a lot of, a lot of suspicion hostility. So our biggest competitor for us is winning the adoration and support of in-house engineering teams and showing that we're helping them be so much more productive and help them accomplish their specific product goals and their engineering goals versus virtually every, every other one that I'm aware of has some sort of it's a general solution. It can, it's usually brought in from the business team and it's replacing what the engineering team could have built. You just maybe don't have the engineers. We're, we're an extension. Got it. So you're building a powerful in-house team. Yes. Got I think the, the other competitor, and this is later, is the competitor. We, we want like good competitors. Uh, we want Facebook, Google, and Amazon to be our competitors. We want, we want those performance budgets. Like I'm tired of hearing about people can't spend or they're paying like some outrageous fee for uh paid paid growth and you know it can't be positive but they're kind of like twisting numbers or like yeah. oh well maybe this is like some other downstream effect or we just have to do it those are the competitors that we want but uh it's a tall order to have a, a competing 
sort of media network, but we'll, we'll get there. Interesting you brought up Facebook because one of the things that they're known to do when they have competitors is either buy out their the competitive business, for example, Instagram, they tried to buy Snapchat, it didn't work, or copy and paste their business model and do it at economies of scale. Aren't you worried about something like that that Facebook could do? I'd be delighted when that happens. Why is um, that? Well, one, it's it's uh, it's a vindication. Uh, it's an indication that you've you've reached sufficient level of success that you've attracted worthy competitors. But in terms of like, okay, a, a less glib answer here is we're deliberately doing things that's outside of Facebook's playbook. Their playbook is they have the world's greatest centralized identity, and that's how they're able to deliver their performance. They also have their properties, so they're also. Uh, very effective because they have Facebook newsfeed and they have uh, Instagram and they have Messenger and they have WhatsApp. And, and then they also have the other side where they have all of these advertisers and are able to move demand across their properties. Um, if they come and compete with us, then that means not playing to their strengths, which they can do, like, yeah. of course. But that would be contrary to what they're best at. And then they would be playing in a space that well, anyone could be as good as that. So for example, uh, we're distributed. We don't have our own property in the sense of like, we don't have our own newsfeed or such a thing. Um, we are bi-directional. We're thinking about placing things between different marketplaces or like we have a sink and source sort of concept, but um, Facebook doesn't behave in that way. Another is we don't have a centralized user identity. Like we don't rely on the sort of here's my central identity and um, that's how I'm able to do attribution and that's how I'm gonna do optimization on top of it and do this whole retargeting story or like people-based measurement and all the things that Facebook is educated about how people should think of these sort of things. That's not our strategy. So again, it's like technically possible for Facebook to do these sorts of things, but then they would just be rebuilding from scratch and not leveraging their advantages. And it would just be like execution of engineering or maybe even the expense of their core business. And, and you can say the same thing about Google and Amazon. Each of them have some sort of centralized strategy where Google has Google search. They also have the identity piece, but their core strength is hey, they have search. AdWords is still their number one moneymaker. And then uh, for Amazon, they have fulfillment. Amazon.com and you have their app and you, you buy it on Amazon. So if you don't like their ad network, then you, you use it because they have Amazon, because you can, that's how people buy their things. But for us, we decentralize fulfillment. Each individual marketplace does their own fulfillment. Um, for uh, search portal, same idea. Like we don't have our search results. We're distributed across all of the different marketplaces that we optimize. Oh, and then in terms of Facebook and Google and Amazon providing just like optimization as a service, they all have it. Like Go get it. That's another thing is, and it kind of, is, I think it's silly when I see some new marketplace coming or some new uh, marketplace optimization service or e-commerce optimization of search. It's like spend five minutes on Google. Um, right. <laughs> they already provided as a pretty mature optimization service. They will do click stream prediction optimization, even TikTok has like, go, yeah. go get it. So uh, yeah, if your business is, it's just like optimization, like on Facebook newsfeed, like they already sell that to you. You can, no, Facebook doesn't, but uh, Google, Amazon, uh, TikTok, other services, it's already for sale. Yeah, it's an excellent point about sticking to your strengths because TikTok is very strong in terms of the short form content video creation. 
And Instagram tried to copy that, which Facebook owns, with Instagram Reels. However, that has not been that successful. They haven't been able to bring over all those TikTok users even after trying to pay creators. So I think you're absolutely right about that. I think sticking to their strengths makes the most sense. That's also going back to the original question of why why don't you just aggregate all the data together and then like you have this really great retargeting like user profile because that's Facebook strategy. They will absolutely outperform if if that becomes big and it could like let's say it does for whatever reason. Um, it won't get that big because there exist competitors who are much, much, much better at it. It'll, it they'll, they'll limit the size and the scope of it. So you have to have a different strategy. Got it. And to wrap it up here, what are some takeaways about promoted.ai, the ad space, and where can people find more about your company? Um, the last part's easy. Go to promoted.ai. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. Um, got a blog. I post on LinkedIn. Follow me on LinkedIn. Um, try to post useful things, especially from the engineering side or if you're in-house discovery engineer or PM. Um, we try to be informative for those sorts of people. What was the other question? Uh, some takeaways for the audience. Yeah. Um, wow. The word ads is so overloaded, uh, has a terrible reputation. And one struggle that we have, although it's a little not as bad today, but definitely a couple of years ago, um, you say the word ads and people stop thinking. They just shut down. Like, oh, ads. Ugh, I don't yeah. like ads. That's bad. Facebook is worth a trillion dollars. And all they do is like shuffle around a list of things on newsfeed. Really, that's their core business. Same thing for, for Google. And yeah. and I'm, I'm being glib here. These engineers are doing things, right? Like Google and Facebook and Amazon, they aren't worth trillions of dollars hiring hundreds or thousands of, of engineers. They aren't for no reason. There's something happening in ads. It's more than just, oh yeah, I'll just throw a banner ad and you know, how hard is that? There's a, an expression of... Um, the greatest minds of it's like a tragedy. It's a tragedy that the greatest minds of a generation have done nothing but uh, getting people to click on ads. But um, yeah, they did do that. And there's a lot of deep thinking and technology around this that people just don't want to think about because you say ads and like, oh yeah, ads. Ugh. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, don't think of ads as just banner ad. Think of it as you're trying to maximize some objective function in your marketplace. You're trying to solve for the maximum profits, like some profits to all parties. And if you wanna increase your prices on your sellers, you could do that. Like the typical way is I just take, it's, it's you know 10%, now I make it 15%. <clears throat> now I'm just paying, taking more money from all of my sellers. Well, really that's optimized? No, of course it's not. It's, it's very crude. Uh, a better way of doing this is what if, okay, I have like a reserve price. I'm going to use ad language. It's the same idea. So let's say I'm Amazon, right? So I have a reserve price of, I have a fraction of sale or like a, a fraction, uh, a certain minimum that it, you get for a fraction of sale. But if you want more volume and you want to pay higher fees in exchange for that volume or more reliability or tools, I'm going to increase your fees, but I have to give you some sort of value in exchange and have to prove that value to you. Right. Voila, that's an ad. Like yeah. I'm exchanging margins for, for volume and and like or or variance for volume or like risk for volume and that's not how people think of ads right like it's oh when you have when you're an e-commerce company or a marketplace company it's like we're gonna do like oh no we're not we're not making enough money let's think about doing ads and then like you spin up a whole new product team like a whole new engineering team it's like built as a separate separate system 
and um it doesn't work very well but you may be pulling some early revenues and because because people aren't thinking of it in terms of oh what we're actually trying to do is raise our prices on sellers but if you do that you need to come up with some sort of value to them exchange otherwise just blanketly you could you could much simplerly uh, in a much simpler way just raise prices but probably people will complain so then how are you going to do that in a way that gets them value as well yeah it's a great point ads have had a very negative connotation especially within the past couple of years how do you hope to change the consumer sentiment on ads i think that's out of the scope of what we're going to do like i don't feel like our we don't sell to consumers you can continue liking or not liking ads and also a lot of ads is a lot of really terrible measurement like oh you'll 3x your roi like it's all lies and you know it is but you know people kind of feel like that's how you have to compete with it so at least on our side we really focus on here's the science of it here's the real math and you're accountable at the entire marketplace the entire e-commerce level like the entire marketplace has to be more successful through efficiency versus like just the ads business which is typically cannibalizing your core business which is coming from a worse experience from users and sellers so one is really solving for the entire picture which means the entire marketplace needs to be more efficient for buyer seller and the marketplace versus like well ads are making money other things are other people's problems so one is just from a philosophy standpoint the other is um make ads that don't suck I, I think one of the problems with ads, and oh, this is a problem at Pinterest. Um, this is not confidential because I think if you can go open Pinterest right now, I can't buy things on Pinterest. That's lame. Like, couldn't I? What if I had an ad that, uh, yeah, you've you've sold me. That's great. I want to buy it now. But you could buy it. Like, like fifty. Like, uh, what if there was an ad where? Um, it was like a, a quick delivery ad and you saw it on say Reddit and it's like free snack in 15 minutes and you typed in your address and like a free snack showed up in 15 minutes. You didn't have to like go to a web page and like download the app and like put in a coupon code and like find the thing you want. And what if you removed all of those frictions? So I think the other side of it is thinking what like removing the barriers and the distinction between listings in a marketplace and ads. Couldn't you just take the listing of a marketplace and just like put it someplace else and just like buy it where it is versus like this whole ridiculous running through all these different websites and clicking the cookie notice and downloading the app and all this. Remove all that crap. Just take the listing, put it somewhere else. So from making ads people uh, making ads that people hate less, just stop showing lame banner ads that say download my app and then have people figure it out later that's not very valuable can you just show things if, if you convince someone that yeah they actually do want to see this thing can they just like do the thing right there that's what we want to do got it that's some very exciting stuff to wrap it up here well thank you everyone for tuning into the ambit podcast and thank you andrew for taking the time to be on the pod it was a pleasure continued success to you and promoted.ai thank you my pleasure